This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com, that's patreon.com forward slash baldhead bible, and there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. Jehoiakim was an arrogant, immature, and quite frankly, evil ruler. It must have been hard for Jeremiah to hear what he had just done. The arrogance of Jehoiakim's actions, not only against Jeremiah, but the blasphemy against Yahweh. That was the worst of it. For Jehoiakim to do what he did in the face of God... Jeremiah shook his head. He probably shook his head in sadness when he heard what Jehoiakim had done. Then he patted his scribe on the shoulder, handed him a pen and a parchment, and said, Well, let's do that all over again. But this time, God's given me some extra stuff I need to share. Now, what happened? What is Jeremiah talking about here? Well, first, let's step back and remind ourselves as to where we are in the life and the book of Jeremiah. First, Jeremiah would prophesy during the last five decades of Judah, the last 50 years. He would also prophesy through the reign, some long, some brief, of five different kings of Judah. The first king was a good king, and his name was Josiah, and Jeremiah started his ministry roughly halfway through good Josiah's reign. Then Josiah's son, G.O.A., has reigned for three months. He was evil. Then Jehoiakim, another son of Josiah, would reign for 11 evil years. Then his son Jehoiachin would reign for three months again, evil. And finally, another son of Josiah, Zedekiah, would reign for another mainly evil 11 years. And Jeremiah prophesied throughout all these reigns. He kept hearing from God and he kept speaking the word of God, even at personal peril. 
The threat of death or execution did not stop Jeremiah preaching. He also prophesied during a time of international unrest. When Josiah came to the throne, Assyria was in power and ruled most of the known world. Their capital was Nineveh. Well, along came another power called Babylon, who ruled from the city of Babylon, and they defeated Syria under a guy named Nebopolassar. And they would burn Nineveh to the ground and begin to march southwards to take most of Palestine. Well, Egypt, under Pharaoh Necho, would not be having any of that. So they moved northwards to take on Babylon at a place called Carchemish. And there, they were going to help Assyria take on Babylon and try to defeat them one last time. So as Egypt was moving north, they came through Judah, and they decided to turn Judah into a slave state. They were to serve Egypt. Well, King Josiah tried to stop Egypt from helping the Assyrians as he wanted to get out from under the control of Assyria and Egypt. Well, sadly, good King Josiah was killed in battle, and the country of Judah lost and became a vassal state to Egypt. So after a battle lasting, get this, four years, four years, the Babylonians, under the command of a prince called Nebuchadnezzar, finally defeat the Assyrian-Egyptian coalition. And eventually, Nebuchadnezzar became king of Babylon and ended up ruling over Judah. And Nebuchadnezzar would end up coming up and sieging the city of Jerusalem, the capital of Judah, right? Three times. And then he would take the people each time and deport some of them back to Babylon. Well, the first deportation, he took a famous guy named Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he took them back to Babylon. The second time he sacked Jerusalem and the second deportation of people out of Judah back to Babylon, he took Ezekiel, the prophet, kidnapped him and brought him back to Babylon where he later wrote all his prophecies. And then the final siege, the final sacking of Jerusalem, he comes up and he totally wipes Jerusalem out, pokes out Zedekiah's eyes and removes all of the Israelites or all of the inhabitants from Jerusalem. He wipes out Judah, burns the temple, totally destroys Jerusalem, and he wipes out Judah, removes him from the land once and for all. And through all of this, Jeremiah keeps on prophesying. He kept warning the people of Judah to repent. He kept preaching about God's mercy and offering them grace. God, through Jeremiah, told the people of Judah that if they repented and started to obey God, that he would turn them from the disaster that they were about to face. All they had to do was repent and obey, and that disaster would go away and God would bless them. But they didn't listen. 
They didn't listen, and Jeremiah was faithful, and he kept preaching during great national and international unrest. Jeremiah kept preaching and kept prophesying. Well, in the scene we are going to talk about today, Jeremiah kept preaching, like I said. But the thing was, in this scene, Jeremiah was preaching, but he wasn't in the room. But even though Jeremiah wasn't in the room, the king heard him. Even though Jeremiah had to hide out of fear of being killed, Jeremiah kept on preaching and kept on prophesying and kept on getting the word of the Lord to this unrepentant evil king. See, Jeremiah was an amazingly brave man. But maybe he thought, if you have the God of the universe on your side, what is there to be afraid of? Well, one day, God came to Jeremiah and asked him to go to prophesy in front of King Jehoiakim. Now, remember, was King Jehoiakim good or evil? Did he love Yahweh or did he love other gods? Was he good or was he evil? Well, the answer is... Jehoiakim loved other gods more than Yahweh. He loved the god of self. He loved the god of pleasure. He for sure loved the god Molech and Asherah. And and he bowed down and worshipped them and Baal. And he worshipped them more than he even thought of the greatest god, the king of kings, the only god, Yahweh, the lord of lords. But Jehoiakim preferred these other little g-gods, And he was an evil king, and his heart was turned from following the one true God, Yahweh, to following all these other little g-gods, because they offered him so much pleasure, so much promise in his time, and he'd rather have that than follow the promises that God offered him, that Yahweh offered him, that Yahweh promised his people. But Jehoiakim would much rather pursue these other gods. Well, God did not just ask Jeremiah to preach in front of Jehoiakim. Instead, he asked Jeremiah to read all the prophecies he made against Israel or against Judah from the start of his ministry until now. Now, that is, at this point, about 25 years worth of prophecies. God asked Jeremiah to write down all of his prophecies that he had given against Judah, Israel, and all the nations for the past 25 years. Well, Jeremiah asked his secretary, Baruch, B-A-R-U-C-H, Baruch, to take a pen and some ink and to write all of the prophecies down. Now, Baruch, his name means blessed. And Baruch was indeed blessed. Though I'm sure if you asked him at the time, he may have wondered if he was blessed. Baruch seems to have grown up in an influential family within Judah. His father was Neriah, and it seems that he might have worked as a royal scribe before working for Jeremiah. Well, he had to have some influence and respect within Judah to be able to meet the people and get entrance to the high levels of power that we're going to hear about. But for now, Baruch takes a pen dips it in ink, and begins to write while Jeremiah preaches. 
Jeremiah first recited from where he had previously written it down, his prophecy against the leaders and people of Jerusalem found it in chapter 7 of Jeremiah. Then he began to recite from memory, or maybe he read from the back of a napkin where he had scribbled down the prophecy God had given to him against Jehoiakim. He then began to wail and cry out the prophecy concerning that yoke, right? That oxen yoke he built, or he began to wail and cry about the prophecy of the pot he smashed or a prophecy that he gave when he saw some figs in a vision and he goes on and on and so forth and on he goes and there sits Baruch patiently writing it all down handwriting scroll after scroll or maybe he's just handwriting on one big scroll now since he's writing in Hebrew Baruch would write right to left on a page. And he would also write it in columns going down the page. And the average page would hold two to three columns of text going down the page. And Baroque wrote and wrote, and then he probably corrected and crossed out words until finally Jeremiah had stopped and he had written down all the prophecies Jeremiah had given to him by God over the past 25 years. Whew. Now, by this time, when Jeremiah and Baruch are writing down all his prophecies, Jeremiah had offended enough people that Jeremiah was banned from entering the temple. You know, since the last prophecy where Jeremiah had to defend himself in a trial, Jeremiah was probably banned from that moment on from coming into the temple because he offended so many people. And he was certainly banned from the presence of wicked Jehoiakim. So how are they going to get these prophecies read to Jehoiakim? Well, this is where our friend Baruch comes in. See, Baruch is commanded by Jeremiah to take this scroll on a future day of fasting. To take it and read it to all the elders and the priests at the temple so that they might hear it and repent and turn to God that the wrath of Yahweh will be abated. Now, when that fast day would happen, well, we're not certain. And Baruch and Jeremiah probably had to wait. See, because these days of fasting spontaneously happened. They weren't always planned. And instead, in Jeremiah's day, these days of fasting were called by the king for all of the people to fast, to seek God. And they often occurred in times of emergency. Well, they waited and they waited. We don't know if it was months or weeks or days, but finally, a day of fasting came. And it came during the fifth year of the reign of Jehoiakim. It was probably called because the impending threat of Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon and their march towards Judah and Jerusalem. See, in the fifth year of Jehoiakim, Nebuchadnezzar at one point invades Palestine and he plunders a city nearby called Ashkelon. It was probably in response to the destruction of nearby Ashkelon that a national day of fasting is called. And so now it was Jeremiah's chance to send Baruch to pronounce his prophecy. So Baruch takes a deep breath and he does just that. Baruch walks down to the temple, stands at the new gate, and he stands in the room of Gemariah. 
Now, Gemariah was an official who was from a sympathetic family to Jeremiah. Now, Gemariah wasn't in the room, but it was his room. And there, Baruch begins to read the prophecies of Jeremiah. Now, this room and the whole area would have been crowded with people showing up for the fast. See, because as a member of the nation of Judah, people were required to show up to the temple to fast and to pray for this emergency situation. So there, Baruch begins to read the prophecies. And he reads it in the room of Gemariah. Well, Gemariah is not there, but one of his sons is there. And his name is Micaiah. And Micaiah hears these prophecies and all the people walking by hear these prophecies of doom and destruction and Baruch bravely reads it and he's hoping the people would change, hoping the people would stop sinning and turn and repent. Well, Micaiah hears these prophecies and maybe out of fear of what he had just heard, maybe out of fear of what he had just heard, and maybe out of fear of the disaster awaiting the people of Judah, Micaiah goes to the palace. And he goes to the room where his father was and he reports to him and all the officials in the room with Gemariah, Micaiah reports what is happening. Well, the officials hear what's happening, and they say, well, we better hear these prophecies. And so they ask for Baruch to come and read the scroll to them. So Baruch goes to the palace, and he reads the scroll to these high-up officials in the court of King Jehoiakim. He reads all the disasters that are about to befall Judah. He reads again of the call by God for repentance, for turning back to him, Baruch reads it all to a guy named Gemariah, to a guy named Elishama, to a guy named Deliah, to another guy named Zedekiah, and to another guy named El Nathan. And he reads them all to these men who are all high mucky-muck officials, who all have the power of life or death over Baruch and over Jeremiah. Think about it. Baruch is at considerable risk in front of these men reading these prophecies of doom and destruction. And so I wonder if Baruch ever got nervous reading the scroll. Did he shake a little? Did he get a little nervous? Or did he just read the prophecies loud and proud and unafraid? Well, I don't know, but Baruch reads them. And then at the end, the officials look at each other. And then they turn to Baruch and they basically say, run, run, go hide. Because once these prophecies are read to Jehoiakim, he's going to be hunting for yours and Jeremiah's head. And they knew Jeremiah's life would be on the line from what happened to Uriah the prophet. We talked about him previously, right? He was a prophet that prophesied against Jehoiakim and he ran to Egypt to hide and Jehoiakim sent armed guards to find him in Egypt, right? He was so mad, and they drug Uriah all the way back to Judah, and the king had him executed, all because he prophesied against him. So, Baruch understands the danger he's in. He leaves the scroll of prophecies with these officials, and, and Baruch and Jeremiah then go into hiding. 
So they leave the scroll in the chambers of El Shammah, and the officials go into the very presence of the king. And they tell him of the bad news they had just heard. And maybe they were hoping that once Jehoiakim heard these prophecies of destruction, that he would repent and change and turn back to God. Well, this all was occurring during the winter months, and so it was cold in Jerusalem, and Jehoiakim was in a room in the inner palace and had a fire blazing away in a pot, and it would warm the whole room. Well, the officials enter the room and come up to his throne, and and I imagine there is Jehoiakim just sitting on his throne, lounging in the warm room, probably filing his fingernails, absorbed with the thing most important to Jehoiakim himself. So there sits Jehoiakim, self-absorbed and corrupt. He's cold, uncaring. And remember, he's evil. The officials bow, and then they begin to tell him what they had just heard. Well, Jehoiakim might have been bored that day, and so he thought, why not? Let's hear these prophecies. So he sent his scribe, Jehudai, to get the scroll. So Jehudai goes to get the scroll and comes to the king's chamber, and Jehudai begins to read it. Now, the scroll, of course, would be rolled up. It wasn't in book form. It would have been a long sheet of papyrus full of three or four columns of text. And Jehudai would read down one whole column of text, and he would read down all the way to the bottom of the scroll, and then he would go back up to the top of the scroll and read down again. Or, or, or maybe the columns were broken into sections, and so he would read to the end of a section on a scroll, then go back to the top and read down another column and come to the end of that section. He's reading out loud of the disaster, but also he's reading out loud of the great offered to Jehoiakim. He read and read and read. And what is Jehoiakim's response? Would he repent and change like Hezekiah and Josiah before him when they heard what God had said and, and when they heard the very words of God? Would he repent and change like them when he realized what was about to befall Judah? No. Instead, Jehoiakim's response showed how truly evil and far from God he was. Every time Jehudai read a column, Jehoiakim would take a knife and cut off that part of the scroll and throw it into the fire that warmed the room. He didn't care. His heart was that cold to the words of Jeremiah that he just cut them up. He also might have been living by a superstition that the written words of a prophet had some magical charm. And so by throwing the words of Jeremiah into the fire, Jehoiakim was in effect hoping to stop these prophecies from coming true. It was also to show his utter contempt for Jeremiah. And so we come back to the beginning of the story. Jeremiah and Baruch are in hiding. And they find out that Jehoiakim has asked for their heads. 
for Jeremiah and Baruch to be found and to be executed. And not only that, think about it, all the hard work of Baruch, all that fine writing and scribal technique is gone, burnt up in a fire just like that. <laughs> but Jeremiah and Baruch, they knew the word of the Lord could not be shut out that easily. What a silly king who thought he could change anything from these prophecies coming true, or that this king thought he could stop these prophecies coming to pass by just burning them up in a fire. No, these prophecies were true, and they were going to happen. And so God asked Jeremiah to have Baruch write them down one more time. So Baruch and Jeremiah did just that. Jeremiah thundered away in prophecy while Baruch wrote it all down again. And then Jeremiah added a prophecy that he did not have on the scroll before. A prophecy that sadly he had to add because of Jehoiakim's evil nature and because Jehoiakim was so hard-hearted and would not listen. Jeremiah added that because of his evil ways, there would not be a permanent descendant of Jehoiakim that would sit on the throne. In other words, none of Jehoiakim's kids would succeed him as king in the future. Later on, Jehoiachin, his son, becomes king, but he lasts only three measly months before Nebuchadnezzar has him removed. And then Jeremiah says, okay, that's one part of this prophecy. But secondly, here's another part, Jehoiakim. Your own corpse will be treated like trash. You'll be thrown out like you would throw out the daily trash. And you're not going to be buried with the kings or have a royal burial. No, your body, Jehoiakim, will be thrown out and just lay on the ground where it will eventually just rot. So Baruch wrote, and he wrote these prophecies of doom and destruction. And he wrote also of the grace that could be theirs if they listened and repented. And Jeremiah and Baruch did all of this under fear of death probably hiding away in some small, cramped apartment or space, trying to evade the hunt for them by Jehoiakim. They were just the messengers, but they were being persecuted for it, for standing up and telling the truth. But this is what God asked Jeremiah to do. And I think Jeremiah took great comfort in that that though they faced considerable obstacles and danger, they were doing the will of God. And that is what mattered the most. To Jeremiah and Baruch, what mattered the most was simply this, to obey and let God deal with the outcome. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life.
new episodes added every week.